So that's what we're going to do tonight. I commend those to you. I wanted to show those to you. If you watched this morning's service, you will have now seen them twice today, but at least you've seen them once. Uh, let's pray that God will speak to us through this chapter of Daniel. How we praise you, Lord God, our Father, for the treasure we hold in our hands that is the Bible in our own language. Thank you for people who gave their lives translating it for us. Thank you for those who still give their lives translating it for others. And we pray now that you would send your spirit on us this evening, on me as I speak, on us as we listen here in the building and in different homes around the place. Will you speak to us and give us grace? Show us the next step for us to take in our relationship with you. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, if you've been traveling with us a few weeks, you'll know we're going through Philippians, and you might be wondering, why aren't we in Philippians? Well, it's just Bible Sunday, and I thought we'd just have a breather from Philippians. We'll be back there next week. Uh, the other reason is that I love to introduce Daniel 1 to students near the start of their university career. So you students, if you're freshers here, this is particularly why I've chosen, but it's relevant not just to students, but to everybody, and you'll see why. The reason I like to do Daniel chapter 1 with students is there in verse 5 of chapter 1. Daniel and his friends, we'll get the verse up, there it is. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. Sadly, you don't get assigned that. Those of us who are old, we used to get grants from the government, which is a bit like that. Uh, now, of course, it's just loans, so that's bad luck. But the thing that is the same is they were trained for three years and then they were going to be tested. And so <laughs> you get trained and you get tested and then who knows what comes next. But it's Daniel and his friends entering a pagan university with all sorts of pressures around them. And there's a key thing for us to learn tonight <coughs> about this. Excuse me. I preached on it in the morning what seems like about five years ago, but it was actually February before... <laughs> Uh, but it's just as relevant now as it was then. Uh, so here we are uh, with Daniel and his friends. Uh, and the key thought here is that Daniel honors God even when it's really inconvenient to him and at some cost, and God honors him. And it reminds me of a film I watched when I was a new student, which is now a very long time ago, the film Chariots of Fire, that tells the story of Eric Liddell, uh, the famous sportsman, a Christian who became a missionary to China, who wouldn't run on a Sunday. For him, the line was drawn about not playing sport on the Sunday. For Daniel, we'll see it's about what he eats, but there's a line for all of us somewhere. Uh, and he wouldn't, he was uh, drawn to run in the 100 meters in the Paris Olympics, and the heats were on a Sunday, and he wouldn't run. He was under, put under a lot of pressure by king and country, and he said no. Uh, but he was then given an opportunity to run in the 400 metres instead. And if you watch the film, I'm not quite sure if this is true, not, one of the American athletes, a Christian, before the final, puts a piece of paper in his hand, and he opens it, and it says, him who honours me, him will I honour. And he scrunches it up, and as he's going over the finishing tape, there's that sense of God honouring his stand for it. It's a cracking film. But it just reminds me of Daniel's stand, taking a stand for God, not knowing how that's going to work out uh, in front of all sorts of pressure. So let's look at the story. Daniel and his friends have been forced into exile. Uh, Jerusalem, about 600 BC, gets overrun by Nebuchadnezzar and the Babylonians. Babylon, that's modern-day Iraq. Uh, so in the third year, all these wonderful names that Lucy read for us, in the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. 
and the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, uh, along with all the stuff. He carried them off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put the treasure there. It's a terrible disaster for the nation of Israel. God's been warning them through the prophets that if they keep on disobeying, they will eventually face judgment and exile. They kept on disobeying, and eventually it came through the hand of Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, Babylon is the world power of its day, 600 BC. They've conquered the Assyrians, the previous world power. They've conquered the Egyptians. Uh, The small nation of Israel is in between, and they've just wiped through. They have extraordinary power and riches. And Daniel and these young men, together with the leaders, are carted off to Babylon. And the cream of the crop, they're put in Babylon University. Uh, The king feeds them, and they are to learn everything. And it must have been the most extraordinary time. Prosperity beyond anything they could have imagined. They come out of a long siege in Jerusalem, and now there's all these opportunities. But a land riddled with paganism, these pagan gods, is their god, Yahweh, defeated? Uh, And just all the possibilities of the education and what they could do. And in many ways, I often say to students, as you go up to university, life opens up. Uh, Those of you who have come from Christian homes, you're surrounded by people uh, who no longer necessarily believe what you've been brought up to believe. And you have to work out what you believe. Is it true what we believe about Jesus? Am I going to serve him? Uh, Suddenly you get presented with, I was about to say grant checks, but loan amounts of money, but quite a large amount of money for you to work out what to do. It doesn't go very far, uh, but you've got to work out how to handle it. And there's all the pressures on you. Now that is true of all of us. We live in a society that by and large has turned its back on God. And for Christians today, it can sometimes feel in certain places like they are in exile, living a values of Jesus as Lord in a world that doesn't, like fish trying to swim upstream against the current. Uh, And that was where Daniel found himself. Indeed, the Bible tells us that we are citizens of heaven. Heaven is our home and will be for all eternity. Uh, But we're passing through this world. Heaven is kind of code for the new heaven and new earth that will be made when Jesus returns. Um, But we're we're citizens of heaven. This world with the values of this world is not our home. We belong to Jesus. Uh, And so there's a lot to learn from people like Daniel. Daniel wasn't a clergy person. He wasn't a priest. He was an ordinary lay guy, fairly gifted, in Babylon University, who enters the civil service and the king's service. He's in the world of work, surrounded by people who didn't believe what he believed. Daniel then becomes the first to draw a line somewhere. So let's just read from verses 3 to 8 again. Let's pick up on the story. Uh, Where we go? Is that verse 3? Yes, there we are. The king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from his table, and they were to be trained for three years, and after that enter the king's service. Among those chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar. Bel was one of the Babylonian gods, so he's named after a foreign god. Uh, To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael, Meshach. To Azariah, Abednego. 
Uh, now, I grew up knowing about Daniel, his Jewish name, but then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Babylonian names. Funny, isn't it, how we, we know those? But Daniel, here's the verse we're heading for, resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, we're not told why he drew a line here. I'm amazed at the things he didn't draw a line at. He says yes to this pagan education. The literature of the Babylonians included all sorts of occult literature as well. We'd run a mile at that. But Daniel allows himself to be taught that stuff. He says yes to a career uh, in politics in a foreign country that's overrun his. He says yes to a change of name even with a foreign god's name. He may not have been delighted about it, but he goes along with it. But he says no to the king's food and wine. We don't know what the reason is. I'm quite glad we don't know. Uh, because for all of us, there is usually a line of compromise over which we mustn't go. And it's often different for different people in different workplaces, different sit settings as to where that line is. I don't think this is primarily about vegetables and wine. It's possible that they'd been offered to idols and he felt that eating it or drinking it was uh, idolatry. It's possible that it employed, implied too much loyalty to the king if he ate his food and drank his wine. We, but we just don't know. Whatever it was, there was a line to be drawn somewhere. Just like for Eric Liddell, it was about running on Sundays for him. For all of us, there will be things that we are asked to do that compromise our faith in Jesus. And I don't know where they will be for you. It may be some workplace things about time you're asked to work and not taking regular, not giving time off for Sabbaths or whatever. It may be to do with the whole sexual morality of our day, where the church is out of step with the values of our society. Just a couple of weeks' time, a, a major bit of work is going to be published by the Church of England. I'm sure it will make a splash in the media called Living in Love and Faith, which takes some of the issues about what it is to be male and female and sexual, some of the issues on transgender around trying to navigate a Christian way through these. Uh, but we're out of step with much of the values of the world around. And we, you may be pressured to compromise, and that may be where the line's drawn. It may be to do with money, it may be to do with promotion, it may be to do with telling the truth. Uh, I remember, <clears throat> I told this story back in February in the morning, uh, when I was a curate in Chesterfield, I used to stand on the door a bit like I do now and say goodbye to people as they left. Um, one lady who was the secretary in a company in town came out and with a big smile on her face told me she'd been sacked that week. <laughs> and I said, I'm really sorry to hear that. I didn't laugh. I just, I'm sorry. Why? What happened? And she said, I was um, a secretary and I was asked to type a letter that was blatantly a lie and I refused. And the boss said he didn't want anyone sitting in judgment over him. And I thought, well, one day there will be someone sitting in judgment over you, but I didn't say that. Uh, but she was sacked. I'll tell you the rest of the story later on. But for her, that was a line. She, was, she wasn't going to compromise on her commitment to the truth. Now, whatever it was for Daniel, whatever the reason, he resolved. It's a very strong word. He had decided in his mind this was the line. Uh, so let's pick up the story, verses 9 to 14. God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who's assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. 
So Daniel said to the guard, whom the chief official had appointed over him and Ananiah, Michelle, and Azariah, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. So Daniel has resolved that here is a line that he doesn't want to cross. Um, Whatever the reason is, there's some compromise here which he can't do. And he set an example to his friends, and they've, <clears throat> they've got together and agreed this together. They are one of the great formations. We have prayer triplets of three or formations of four. This is such a strength. Uh, if you're isolated as a Christian, it's easy to fall. We, need, we try and link people up in threes or fours to pray together, to support each other, to talk about what you're struggling with, to try and help each other stay true to Jesus, whatever the pressures are. And here is a great example of a formation. Now, Daniel's not bolshy about it. He's very gracious. He's obviously cut out for the civil service, isn't he? And he just, he just, he does it very graciously. And he says, well, would you just test us for 10 days and see? Uh, and he's not good when, when the official first of all said, there's not a chance. I can't do that or, you know, the king will have my head. He said, well, would you test us for 10 days and we'll see. So he's very clear in his own mind but he's very gracious about how he goes about it. He's not bolshy. Uh, sometimes I've been good at where the line is to be drawn, but then I've been rather bolshy about how I draw those lines, and that doesn't help the cause of Jesus. We're to be gracious. Other people are much more charming and gracious, but may not be so good at drawing the line. And somehow it's both of these. So at the end of 10 days, what did they find? Well, Daniel and his friends are found to be fantastic, the best. Uh, let's read verses 15 and 16. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. So they're healthier for putting God first, for whatever the reason was, certainly didn't harm their health. They're healthier in their job. They do really well. So verses 18 to 20. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them to his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them. He found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned, he found them ten times better. Actually, literally, uh, in the Hebrew, ten hands better. So you could argue five people better, but a whole lot better than all the magicians and enchanters in his whole kingdom. Uh, and verse 21 Daniel remained there to the first year of King Cyrus. That is a good 60 years later. So he's gone in as a teenager, and he stays in the corridors of power, as it were. Uh, and there are various bumpy bits along the road, most famously the situation with the lion's den, which came uh, when he was my sort of age um, or older. But having sorted out as a teenager that there are lines to be drawn and he's not going over them, when future lines came, he gathered his friends, they prayed, he drew the line, he often got into trouble, but the Lord honoured him. Uh, and then in his particular gifting and ministry, as well as just being a brilliant administrator in the civil service, verse 17, we got verse 17 there? It's the bit where... Um, there it is, thank you. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. God gifted him. Here was someone God could gift because he could trust him. 
with a very unusual gift that turned out to be just what was needed. And if you read through the book of Daniel, when the king Nebuchadnezzar has these dreams that no one can interpret, Daniel is his man and God gifts him in all of that. That drawing a line and choosing to honour Jesus, there's no guarantee of how it's going to turn out for us. But Daniel does it graciously and clearly and God honours him. Now as I come into land, there will be a line for you as there is for me at different times and in different places. And it could be to do with relationships and sexual morality. It could be to do with money and work. It could be to time. It could be all sorts of things. But you know jolly well if you're following the Lord when you start to feel a lack of peace and something in your gut says this isn't right and you know I can't go along with this or I've got to speak up and I don't know what to say. You know it's different for everybody. When those times come, we need to talk it through and pray it through and gain clarity and have the courage to put Jesus first. Next week we're going to be baptising people. Uh, at the 8 o'clock communion I've got a uh, baptism by immersion We've got a Christian family baptism at the 10.30 and baptising Sam Birch, who's part of this congregation. Is Sam here this evening? Probably watching online. Hello, Sam. Um, baptising him next Sunday evening. In the baptism vows, you promise to live with Jesus as Lord. Now, all of us who've been baptised or renewed our vows have promised that. There are times when that vow gets cashed in, as it were. Will we live with Jesus as Lord or will we compromise? And Jesus tells us that we are to let our light shine. This is Matthew 5, verse 16. Uh, there we are. Let your light shine before others. They may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. That's what Daniel did. And later on, as you read through, he was very clear about his faith in the God of Israel. Uh, and others know that's what got him into trouble with the lion's den later on. Uh, a verse I skipped over earlier, apologies Lucy on the tech for that, but Colossians chapter 3 verses 23 and 24, Paul says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters, since you know you'll receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward. It's the Lord Christ you're serving. Uh, when I went to university, I did a maths degree. Uh, I'd done pre-university employment with IBM and was planning to go back to them afterwards. And while I was there, the Lord called me to be ordained, which was not what I was expecting. In fact, I'd said I'd do anything except that. And the, it was a long conversation that took most, most of my second year, but I finally gave in. And I'm delighted I did. It's been the right thing for me. Um, but I lost interest in my maths degree. And uh, had a chat with my dad about this. And he said, well, Jonathan, Jesus had to be a carpenter, and even though he knew he was the saviour of the world, and you're not that sort of thing. Uh, but the, there was, it was this, this sort of verse. Whatever you do, work it with all your heart. And for my third year, I knuckled down and did it for the Lord. Uh, it wasn't the love of maths at that point. <laughs> uh, but whatever you do, you do it for the Lord. Where you are, you may be working in a place which is not what you would have chosen. But do it for the Lord until he leads you somewhere else. As Daniel did in Babylon, uh, in this pagan nation, in a demanding environment with people with different values around him. Uh, just a couple of things as we come into land. Running through this Daniel chapter 1 is God behind the scenes. Uh, verse 2 says this. The Lord delivered Jehoiakim. Actually, God was in this. It didn't look like it. It looked like God was absent. But God was in this. He had told his people if they compromised continually, this would happen, and it did. Verse 9 
God caused the official to show favor to Daniel. God went beforehand. Daniel was, must have been really nervous as he approached the official, but God had opened the way. Verse 17, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding. It all comes from God behind the scenes, whether you're aware of it or not. God is at work in you and through you and around you. And it's trying to encourage each other to look up and see where he is at work. And that's where these threes and fours and groups we need, smaller groups, bigger groups, uh, in the rule of six, it's mostly smaller groups at the moment. That's where we need each other. Uh, let me just finish off the story of this wonderful lady from Chesterfield. She came back a few years later, bounced up to me and said, I've got a new job. <laughs> and I said, what's that? She said, well, it's back at the same company. But you remember my boss sacked me because I was a secretary and I wouldn't write uh, what he said was what he wanted me to. Uh, well, his PA left, and he needed a PA, and he phoned me up and said, I need someone I can trust. Would you come and be my PA? It was a wonderful, wonderful story. Now, there's no guarantee that there's that sort of happy ending uh, for where you draw the line. But there is the guarantee that, we, that God has said, him who honors me, him will I honor. Uh, so I'll stop talking about Daniel. I wonder if you would stand, and we'll just spend a couple of minutes in prayer. Uh, I'm going to lead in a prayer. Then we'll just be still for a moment and see what the Lord wants to whisper to us. Lord Jesus, we marvel at Daniel's example, carted off thousands of miles from home to a foreign country with different values and different gods, and yet he stayed true to you. Give us grace, we pray, where you call us to keep living with Jesus as Lord, to put you first. And we ask in the stillness that if there is a line, an area where we're in danger of compromising our Christian faith in you, that you would speak by your Holy Spirit. Lord, speak. Your servants are listening. Let's be still. And we also ask, Lord God, our Father, that at the same time as you perhaps point out an area we need to be careful to honour you in, that you would speak just as loudly, far more clearly about your fatherly love for us. Praise you for your love for us shown in Jesus. May we know that love to be greater than any other reality around and give us grace to honour you in these areas. We pray for anyone who's feeling isolated, that you will help us link them together with others so they can be twos or threes or fours, prayer partners or threes or formations, whatever it is, to support one another. But we pray most of all, Lord Jesus, that you will guard and protect each one of us and give us grace to live for you, not just now, but for all our lives. And we pray all these things in your great name. Amen.